the morning. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. And so we come to hear the word of the Lord. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, the exchange between Jesus and Martha at the death of her brother Lazarus. We read there, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God who is coming into the world. These are the words of the Apostle Paul from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, possibly the first words of Christian comfort written. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God, now bring, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. <clears throat> In John chapter 14, the words of Jesus to his friends. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you pray with me? Father, we are very aware of our grief today. And we feel entirely powerless when we try to find words to comfort and console each other and to comfort and console ourselves. We realize how empty our words are, and so we come to your word, knowing that as Isaiah reminds us, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And we hear Jesus' words to hardworking Martha. And in the face of the loss of her brother Lazarus, we hear Jesus promising not only his peace and his power, but his presence 
and that the promise of resurrection that he gives is a promise of his very self. We find encourage, encouragement as we, and we offer encouragement with Paul's vision of your son's return and the reality that death will not be the end for anyone found in him. And we find our hope today from Jesus' promise that he is preparing a place for us all in your house. And so until that day, we hold on to you and we hold on to each other. Bless us as we mourn today that we might feel your comfort and the comfort of those around us. We thank you for Pam. We come honoring her life, honoring you as the giver of life, and honoring your son Jesus as the redeemer of life. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. And at this time we have a reading from Nate. week I was in a seminary class online and at the beginning of the class our professor was taking prayer requests. He asked if we had any and I said I need you to pray for Pam. Would you pray for a lady named Pam? And, and I found the best way to describe Pam to my fellow students and my professor was that Pam is the lady who makes our church beautiful. Now in one regard I'm talking of course about the decorations and many of the decorations that you see around here today are ones that Pam has put together, ones that Pam has, has carefully placed. But also in making our church beautiful, one of the elements of that is the way that Pam encouraged us all to give. Uh, through simple things, baby bottles became sacred because Pam brought baby bottles for Choices Pregnancy Center and we filled them. All year long we would plan and, and put items together for our shoe boxes for operation operation christmas child and then a part of the beauty of the church is just the way pam was here and pam would worship her smile her worship and her encouragement i remember when i was in high school and i started coming to church i became a christian i started taking church more seriously at a point and i remember once in a while finding myself sitting in front of joe and pam during our worship time 
And I would be standing there with them standing behind me singing, and I have to say, they weren't very good at it. <laughs> but what they lacked in ability, they made up for in volume. And they poured their heart into worship. And I would stand there and hear Joe's voice booming behind me, and Pam's voice much higher than Joe's. And I loved it. I loved when I got to stand in front of them during worship because they poured their hearts into their worship. It was as if they had a vision of the presence of Jesus with us and their worship was directed to him. It was a blessing to hear them and it was a blessing to get to worship with them. Now my faith tells me that Joe and Pam are worshiping together again unhindered by voices that may not be on key and unhindered by the realities that we have of pain and sickness and difficulty and unhindered by the presence of nerdy high school kids sitting in front of them and maybe laughing a little bit they are worshiping together i have no imagine i have no idea what what that worship is like in the presence of god but john through the book of revelation gives us some hints the little pictures all the way through revelation pictures that are beyond our imagining but my faith tells me are now a part of joe and pam's reality and so i want to read to you from john from revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 5 it's there that john says then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The image in John is the image of Jesus as the resurrection and the life. The image that Paul gave us in 1 Thessalonians is of, of Jesus and the comfort that we can take from His presence and His promise. And the promise of Jesus there at the end of the Gospel of John is that He goes to prepare a place for us. And somehow we find all of those images brought together in this picture of, of the new heavens and the new earths of New Jerusalem being lowered from the sky. And what I love about this picture is, is it's not just a picture of God's glory. It's not just a picture of God's majesty. It's a picture where we find our place in the presence of God, where my faith tells me that Pam has found her place. And so I want you to hear the God that John describes in these few verses. Hear Him and know Him as the God who longs to be with us all the way through the book of Revelation and, and all the way through the Bible itself, the sea is presented. And the sea is always a dangerous place. The sea is the habitation of demons. The sea is a place of 
evil and chaos. In the book of Revelation, the sea becomes blood. One third of the sea dies. And when the beast arises, the beast arises out of the sea. But here, verse 1, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. The sea, that which causes chaos and pain, that which separates us from God, that which upsets the rule of God. The sea has been removed. Anything that could separate us from God is gone. And we find ourselves securely in His presence. And there's a very subtle promise here that I think is significant. In fact, it's a promise that's given three times in verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. Did you hear it? God with them. Not them with God. But God comes down to us. God is with man. He will dwell with them. God Himself will be with them. Not that we will be with Him, but that He will be with us. He makes the first move. First, the the story of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. God moves heaven and earth to be with us. Take some time today and look at the decorations around the church. Look at the decorations in the other rooms, in in the hallways out here even in the bathrooms, and realize that that's Pam's handiwork. She loved to decorate, and she loved to decorate for Christmas. Christmas was one of her best seasons. We took the Christmas trees down early last month. We took them down the day that we learned that Pam was sick. And the question was, what do we do about the stuff in the hallway, the very, very Christmas decorations in the hallway, and that's when I said, just leave them there. Pam can do that when she gets back. Make sure you look at those decorations. Look at the detail in those decorations. And recognize that they are, they are there for Christmas. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus is our Emmanuel, that Jesus is God with us, not us striving to reach God, trying hard to make ourselves worthy, but God coming down to our place. That's the God that Pam's handiwork proclaimed. That's the God she proclaimed with her life, with her worship. Don't miss the promise of the God who longs to be with us, and don't miss the promise of the God who cares for us. I asked the grandkids to give me a little help with the message. I asked them, what was something your grandma did that showed you that she cared? What are some ways that she showed you that she cared about you? Macy said she was always loving and supportive of me and the family. She always showed up to volleyball games. Kylie said with all my health issues, she was there to support me after every doctor's appointment. She listened to all the new news that we got, and she was there to give me snacks and hugs. Snacks seemed to have been a big part how grandma showed her love. Carson said it was jelly beans and playing dominoes. Shelby said it was Hallmark movies and strawberry pretzel salad, and that they shared a love for maybe going a little overboard for Christmas decorations. But Grandma encouraged that sort of thing. We feel the impact of verse 4 today. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I read those words. I've read those words at deathbeds. I've read those words with families. It's a hope that we hold on to tightly, the hope that the former things have passed away, that there is a day coming when so much that has caused us pain, so much that brings us to tears, the promise is that one day all of those things will be a distant memory. Whether it's COVID, whether it's cancer, our faith looks to a day when all of that is wiped out and that nothing is left but the presence of Jesus. And don't miss the promise. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He wipes tears. It's a beautiful image. In the middle of this promise of our Heavenly Father, it's a very mothering image. You know, fathers are the ones that say, suck it up. It's going to be fine. Rub some dirt in it, you'll be okay. Mothers are the ones that wipe tears. Grandmothers also. It's a very mothering image of our Father God here. Grandmothers wipe grandchildren's tears. They do more than that. For Gabby and Bella, it's that grandmother, grandma always had stuff there for the picky eaters. That even the picky eaters could find something to eat, something to share. And she would be there to tell stories of Mouse and the Black Cat. Is that right? And make the little noises that go along with the story. For Camden, it was Skittles. Not, now we're back to more snacks. Skittles and grape sodas. For Ziva, it was letting us stay at the house, making cookies, getting to sleep in her bed, and she was so sweet. And, and in showing up with friends and realizing that Grandma would treat them just like family. And what you see is that in showing you that she cared, your grandmother was pointing you to a God that cares. She cared for you just as God cares. This is the God who longs to be with us. This is the God that cares and he is the God who tells us the truth. Verse 5 reminds us these are not hollow promises. Eternity with God is not some pie in the sky and the sweet by and by promise that maybe it's true, maybe it's not. The promise that there is an end to death and pain and sickness and mourning and loss, that is not a fantasy. You can take these promises to the bank. You can put your trust in them. Verse 5 says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Pam Harmon trusted in those promises. She held to those promises. That faith impacted everything that she did, the way that she loved you, the way that she cared for you, the way that she served, the way that she was a blessing to the church and to the community, the way that she was a blessing to those who needed Choices Pregnancy Center and continue to need that place, the way that she's a blessing to those who need to find ways to serve and realize that it's not always something big. Sometimes it's something as small as a baby bottle. And sometimes a shoebox can be a holy gift. Pam took that seriously. It's a faith that she not only held to, it's a faith that she would want you to know. It's a Savior that she would want you to know. A Savior that you can trust. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. We take note of where Jesus is 
as he's making these promises. He is seated on the throne. And it calls us back to an earlier image that we have at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Chapter 4 of Revelation is this glorious picture of worship in heaven, worship in the presence of Jesus. For the first time, John sees his friend, Jesus, in that eternal place as he sits on the throne in the throne room of heaven. Revelation chapter 4 says, John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Remember in chapter 21, the sea is gone. That which separates us from God is gone forever. But here in chapter 4, it's there, but it's undisturbed. And those who come before him recognize the presence that there is separation between heaven and earth, and yet it is undisturbed in the presence of Christ. There is peace. Hold on to that for a moment. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with a face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes around and within, and day and night they never cease saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast down their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created." It's a strange image. It's a strange mix. Bizarre creatures, flashes of lightning, the sound of thunder, but the song is strangely familiar, isn't it? Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And the one at the center of it all, the one seated on the throne, is the one who loves us, who desires to be with us, who promises to wipe every tear from every eye, and the one who always tells us the truth. There is an ancient doctrine of the church that I've always loved and struggled to understand and struggled to explain. It is called the communion of the saints. And it has very little to do with what we do when we take communion. And at the same time, it has much to do with what we do when we take communion. But in part, this doctrine of communion with the saints, the communion of the saints, it is the understanding that worship only takes place in one place in the entire universe. That it doesn't matter what church you're in, it doesn't matter whether you are at home worshiping online or whether you're worshiping together with the body, worship itself only happens in one place, and that is before the throne. 
in the throne room of heaven. And so whatever it is that separates us physically, whether it's time, whether it's space, whether it's buildings, whether it is illness that keeps some at home or some that are, uh, some of that are concerned about that, when we worship, we are all united in the throne room of heaven. And part of that doctrine is the realization that in some way that I cannot begin to explain as we worship, it is as though the floor of heaven falls out and the ceiling of the earth opens up and saints below and saints above join together in worship. That we join our voices and we worship as one. That's what worship does. It calms the sea that disturbs us. And it brings us all before the throne of Jesus. There is a song that Joe loved, that Pam loved, a song that has impacted this family in amazing ways. And today we do not just remember Pam's faith. We do not just remember Joe's faith. We don't just remember that that faith has become sight. We participate together today. And we join our voices with those who are in the throne room of heaven. And our faith tells us that we worship together. In the next chapter, after chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5 continues that image. Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. John says, Then I looked. And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, every creature on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to Him who sits on the throne... And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. They fell down and worshipped. Would you stand with me as we worship? As we sing majesty together.
Let's pray together. Father, we have been blessed by knowing Pam. We have been blessed to have someone who can take a baby bottle or a shoebox and turn it into a blessing of limitless potential. We have been blessed to know someone who put their heart and soul into worship and saw beauty in both the simple and the extraordinary. We have been blessed to know someone who allowed your majesty to overflow in her life. Comfort us as we grieve. Stand near this family and surround them with your saints, your friends who will grieve with them and offer them strength. But in our grief, help us to never lose sight of the Savior that Pam held to. And I pray that just as she trusted you, there would be those here today who would give themselves to your promises and trust you with their lives and their eternities. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and presents you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.